Hi, this is Jack O'Halloran of Scale, a unique blockchain network that can support an unlimited number of rapid on-demand pooled security blockchains without any gas fees for end users. You're tuned in to The Edge of NFT, the premier source for the latest and greatest projects in the NFT space. Keep listening. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and learn how Scale Network is scaling Ethereum with a lightning fast gas free second layer solution. And explore the Jomo effect, finding peace and happiness while still pursuing your most ambitious best self. And learn how Sotheby's is making both an offensive and defensive platform play that also empowers creators. Finally, Outer Edge of LA, our awesome community-centric gathering recently returned to LA in March of 2023. If you think you missed out, you can catch up on all of the interactive experience, discussions, presentations, and more by heading over to watch.outeredge.live and signing up with your email address to get a full recap of over 60 captivating conversations and performances. Netflix, watch out. It's time to Outer Edge and chill. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored episode, we are honored to have Jack O'Halloran back to the show, the CEO and co-founder of Scale. Scale is a groundbreaking blockchain network capable of supporting an unlimited number of swift on-demand pooled security blockchains, all while ensuring zero gas fees for end users. Jack is a seasoned tech entrepreneur from Silicon Valley with an impressive background in machine learning, AI, and blockchain. Previously, he co-founded Incentaline, which is now Ectana, and held executive roles at Good Technology and Motorola. Jack's been involved with digital currencies since 2008, when he played a key role in developing a digital currency platform for enterprise resource allocation. Scale represents a network of interconnected blockchains designed to deliver speed, decentralization, and security to a wide range of user-friendly Web3 applications. Developers can easily deploy their own interoperable EVM blockchains without compromising security or decentralization. Plus, it's an open source community-owned project. Jack O'Halloran, welcome back to Edge of NFT. It's great to see you today. Hey, great to see you. Excited to be here. We're going to have some fun today. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's been like a minute, right? Since Outer Edge LA, when you're hanging out, talking about the future of the macro gaming economy. And here we are now. I'm sure you've been in like five or six countries since then. Yeah, I've been in a few. I think maybe two. I've been to Japan. I think Liz, uh, Portugal. But I have to say, hey, that was an awesome event. Just props to your whole team and just everybody that came together. If you're listening and you weren't there, I just highly recommend you go next year. I felt like just in terms of the quality of conversations I had, definitely the best event I've been to in a very, very long time. So great work. And we had a blast and met a lot of great people. And if you're listening and weren't there, you can go to watch.outeredge.live to catch the recorded content. But you'll probably miss some of those conversations Jack got into while being there. (laughs) However, at the end of the day, this is a perfect sort of teaser for the next segment where the goal here is for you to not have FOMO as you're hearing this, but to have JOMO. And we'll talk more about that later on in the show. That said, what I enjoyed most was the hackathon, Jack, that we did together where we had 21 teams, over 100 developers and builders, half of which were women deploying some really cool technology, sort of showing what the LA sort of ecosystem is all about. And then we had some folks come in from all over the world too. So that was a lot of fun. Thanks for helping with that. Yeah, that was great. It was a good mix. Uh, You know, you've got to get the builders involved, especially at an NFT focused conference where there's a lot of creative people, a lot of agencies, a lot of designers, a lot of artists. And it was great to see also the developers and engineers well represented. So very cool. Yeah. And we are at the outer edge of all emerging tech at this point. And so that's why our partnership is quite special because you guys are putting together a world-class experience, not just for NFT platforms, but games and other Web3 applications. We've had you on before and our listeners can tune in for a deeper dive into 
what scale is. But for this episode, can you just give us a quick elevator pitch and more importantly, talk about the direction you're taking scale recently? Yeah, I'm going to take a step back and just try to try to hit this from a high level. So it's understandable. I think a lot of times people talk about blockchains and it's maybe 2% of the people know what the person was talking about. So I think most people are very familiar with Ethereum. And so scale built Ethereum or scale built was built, purpose built to help Ethereum scale. Okay. Like we were the one of the original layer twos before layer two was a term. And that term I think has kind of morphed over time. But we were actually app builders. Stan Cloudco and myself, my co-founder, each of us had three or four different ideas of applications we wanted to build on Ethereum. We kept running into the same issue that cost and speed, latency, all these issues just made it impossible to create highly scalable applications. So Stan, my co-founder, who's a world-renowned physicist and cryptographer, had designed a scaling infrastructure for the applications he was looking at building. We decided to take that idea and bring that to other builders like ourselves. And both of our background actually is more in middleware and infrastructure as opposed to on the application layer. So it was better fit for ourselves. But Scale was built to bring the power of Ethereum to billions of users, not tens of thousands of users. And so it's built to work in tandem with Ethereum. It has layer one security qualities and layer two security qualities. At the end of the day, it's many, many Ethereum blockchains that are connected to Ethereum and integrated with Ethereum that enable people to build and launch NFTs on Ethereum and run games and applications adjacent on the scale network and launch NFTs as well on scale. But that's really it in its simplest form. It's designed to help users use blockchain applications without the complexity and in a way that's more like we're used to within the Web2 world. Yeah, it's super helpful to appreciate that. And look, Ethereum gas prices were sky high in the two, three, four, five thousand dollars And since the, the merge they've come down considerably. But even the last week, I was doing some trading and some exchanging and Ethereum is popping back up to the $30, $40, $50 range again. And it's important to understand products like Scale allow for much more efficient, sustainable transactions. Funny story. I had somebody, a very well-known chef, famous chef in Napa, called me this morning who's a Scale holder. (laughs) And he's trying to restaking rewards. And I was walking him through this and I was like walking to the office. So I'm like, okay, I'm jumping on a call, do some tech support, high value community member. Anyways, the gas fee was $265 for him to claim a staking reward and then restake it. And I have to tell you like two weeks ago, I think that same fee, I did the same thing and it was like $10. So, you know, it's good news. Whenever Ethereum gas fees are high, it means a lot of people are using Ethereum you can kind of get a lot of market sentiment. It's a leading indicator on market activity when those gas fees go up. It also makes platforms like Scale more useful when it's not $5, the same $5, $10 transaction is $265. It makes a lot more sense on why you're using Layer 2 or Ethereum scaling platforms. I'm looking up Stan, by the way. Really impressive background here. Director's Fellow, Theoretical Division, Los Alamos National Laboratory. 25 years? Wow. Let's have seen a lot of really cutting edge technology in that particular role. Yeah. Stan's got some crazy stories about Los Alamos. Like there's this protected area that's like defended by machine gun turrets and all this stuff. And like he couldn't access it even. And he's just like, oh yeah, there's some stuff going on that there's some really smart people living in the desert doing things under highly secure environments. (laughs) You know, Stan also has a funny story when he was in high school he won the number one, like the math competition for the entire USSR. He was grew up in Ukraine and he like the top math student. And he ended up winning the scholarship to go study abroad for one year in Maine because he won this like number one national math competition and ended up like he said, he only had $50. And so he moved to Maine and he was a dishwasher. <laughs> so he'd like wash dishes and then he would like do this like really advanced theoretical math. And that was his like introduction to America. And then eventually he moved here and Went to, you know, was a researcher at Stanford and accomplished a lot of cool things in Silicon Valley. You said he's from Russia? He's from Ukraine, but back when Ukraine was part of the USSR. So he won this like USSR, Soviet Union math competition. I hope we didn't just expose some kind of double agent thing going on here. Anyways, <laughs> that's for some sort of a movie, <laughs> movie portrayal. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, you've got an impressive variety of use cases there with scale. There's experiences that are engaging games to kind of get to large-scale frictionless Web3 integrations and things. Can you tell us a little bit more about those applications that you're facilitating and why Scale is kind of the special infrastructure for that? 
taking a step back, like let's just look at the NFT market in general. And I think even the NFT LA rebranding to Outer Edge LA is probably even a sign of this as well. I mean, you look at the NFT market, the NFT market is not just about trading collectibles. NFTs are going to be utilized across the entire spectrum of technical applications. And NFTs are going to be interacting with generative AI, with the applications running, for example, in gaming, in Web3 social media applications, in creator economy, in gating, ticketing, et cetera. There's this whole field where having non-fungible tokens is highly valuable. This whole, I guess, all these areas of practice. And so if you think about scale and you think about this is just general, I'd say like product market fitting strategy, and you think, okay, why does scale add value to a developer? It's so a developer can have zero gas fee transactions for the end user. And Dartmouth Blockchain just did a study recently, and they analyzed the top blockchains out there, Scale, Solana, Avalanche, Polygon, Near, and Scale was the fastest, faster than Solana, had faster time to finality than Solana, and as well as Polygon and Avalanche and these other chains I mentioned, which was amazing to see. And so if you look at that, then you say, well, how do you utilize the zero gas fees and those strengths of speed and time to finality? And the answer is in utility, not just in collection. And so we're seeing a lot of success and where NFTs are actually utilized in applications and in this broad spectrum of technologies. And you know, if we talk to a developer who says, hey, I'm launching a 10,000 NFT set, it's just going to live on Ethereum. The only activity of transactions will be people trading it with each other. Somebody selling an expensive NFT, they don't care about a $10 or a $50 gas fee. But somebody who's using an NFT hundreds or thousands of times in a day cares if they have to spend five or $10 a time, or even 10 cents a time. That's where we're really finding our sweet spot. And anybody who's been watching the blog has probably seen a lot of these announcements lately of different applications joining scale. Yeah. I mean, you look at what Richard from Manifold is all about, and he envisions a world of NFTs in particular, where it's equivalent to buying a cup of coffee. And if a little coffee spills out of the mug, you don't cry, you just buy another coffee. So the idea of sort of easy, seamless transactions for small goods and services, especially in like music with sound XYZ, it's critical that those transaction costs are, are low to create a liquid and vibrant ecosystem. Ideally, we get to under the same cost as credit card purchasing transaction fees. I mean, that would be the win if we can sort of seal that deal. So Jack, you can use that tagline if you want for scale in the future, because that seems like it's quite relevant to what you're up to. And that brings up an interesting conversation I had recently where I was ta- we were talking to someone who was enabling a credit card fiat ramp. And then we were comparing that, like there's very little user friction. If I have to take my credit card, I'm going to go buy an NFT and start doing events and convert a bunch of instantly credit card dollars into USDC, for example. And then we started talking through it. And then the partner said, well, there's a huge percentage fee. Like we're going to pay like multiple percentage points to do that. And a gas fee to bridge over or a direct ramp fee is a dramatically better solution. So there are some ramps going live on scale. The wire ramp is live. There's other ones going live. But you, we've way exceeded credit cards already, but we still need to like get that user friction down because credit cards are easy, frankly, is what it comes down to. But again, all these across the industry, I think there's a lot of huge strides being made there. Yeah. So recognizing how closely you guys align with Ethereum, where do you see sort of the future of Ethereum scaling and its potential with sort of tandem with scale sort of supporting some of these faster, more frequent transactions? I'm really excited about Scale Connect. I know it's probably something we're going to talk about today. So I don't want to jump the gun, but I think that's a very interesting use case. And I mean, happy to get into it now, Josh, if you want. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good segue. Yeah. So if you think about the value of Ethereum, so scale was one word. You can't use scale without Ethereum because all the staking for scale lives on Ethereum. The scale token lives on Ethereum that secures the scale network. Staking rewards are all paid out on Ethereum. And so the networks are intertwined. And also from a usability perspective, they're intertwined for an end user. And one interesting area that like we're really excited about launching, and there's you'll be hearing more about this soon, but is something called Scale Connect, where any NFT on the Ethereum mainnet can be utilized instantly within the scale network as soon as Scale Connect is turned on. What happens is there's an oracle that natively lives on every scale chain. And it's also, it's because of the component parts of how scale functions. There's a trusted execution environment, which is an Intel XGS chip. 
there's a threshold messaging feature where there's messaging where the different nodes can talk and interact quickly and sign off. There's a consensus mechanism. These things together are the component parts of an Oracle. If you look at Chainlink, if you look at other Oracles, and those component parts are already in each scale chain. So we realized, well, hey, the scale, let's turn the scale Oracle on. And it was not a lot of coding for the community to get that together. And so the scale Oracle existed. And its goal initially was to just provide typical standard Oracle value in terms of, okay, read data inputs, like what's the price of a token for DeFi platform, what's the sports score, what's the weather, et cetera, things that Oracles do. But one other use case was that the Oracle actually can look at the Ethereum mainnet and validate which address own has which token at any given time. And so let's say, Josh, you have your ape and you decide this game developer has enabled apes to live over on the scale chain and all the scale, ha- the ape user no doesn't need to lock that in any contract, doesn't need to put it in any sort of risky environment, doesn't need to part ways with it, doesn't need to lock it up at all. They just, by owning it in an on-chain manner that can be validated and that user can then have special access to whether it be in a game, mint other NFTs, utilize that character, have special roles and access within that game all in an on-chain, seamless, gas-free manner without any risk to NFTs on the Ethereum mainnet. So that relationship in particular is exciting. Yeah, yeah. So I want to drill into that a little bit. There's been conversations around interoperability in terms of teleporting assets. In this case, what you're saying is you don't have to teleport your assets. You can keep them right where they are and be in two places at once, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So we need to come up... If someone comes up with a name for that, tell me, because... It's almost like you have this doppelgangerism. I don't know. Being in two places at once is called bilocation. So if that is what is happening, bilocation. But I don't know. <laughs> that could be great. Yeah, bilocation. The thing is, right now, you can bridge NFTs on scale. So you could take your ape, you could lock it in a, an escrow contract. And then what happens is it bridges over then through threshold encrypted messaging, then the scale chain validates that you have that, it, brought, it gets brought over, and then you can actually, the custody could change. You could sell it to somebody on scale, somebody else could have it come over and then be able to claim that. What you're doing though, you're putting your NFT at risk. And if you have a million dollar NFT or whatever valuable NFT, and you don't want to do that, you can actually utilize it concurrently without any sort of risk or cost. And the main thing is for developers to be able to leverage and utilize this. So we're excited. There's some, I can't announce them yet because I, NDAs, but our partners will be announcing them where very cool use cases of Ethereum mainnet NFTs being utilized over on scale, where then new NFTs can be minted within gameplay and assets and new privileges, et cetera, can be garnered by the carriers of the holder of the NFT. And then let's say Josh passes it to Ethan. Well, the Oracle will recognize that and Josh goes over to try to use the NFT. He no longer can, but the new owner can validate it, can go over and utilize it because your 0x address on the Ethereum mainnet is the same 0x address on scale for a contract. Or not for an address, not a... Smart contracts are different, but for addresses, they are only that user can go claim that on the other EVM chain. So just to clarify there, if there's a way to parse this out, I buy something on Ethereum. It's now affiliated. If I go to Etherscan, my address says that my address owns that item. Now, if I sell it to someone through scale, does Ethereum still say... It's affiliated with my address, but it's just inaccessible to me or something. I think that's a great question because it calls out some of the complexities and maybe it gives me an opportunity to clarify. So let's say you have 0x896b blah, 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 okay? And you own a Pudgy Penguin. And then you go over to this game. And by the way, we're not working with Pudgy Penguins. I'm using them as an example because we've got these adorable penguins who can't talk about them. But that's you can go over to scale. Your same 0x address over here is the same one on scale. You don't need to pass your penguin. You don't need to do anything. The scale chain just knows, oh, this address has a penguin over on the mainnet. And so it can validate that in an on-chain manner without any centralized trust mechanisms. And if the penguins had a game or licensed their IP to a game on scale, well, that game, without any custodial risk or security risk to the user on the Ethereum mainnet, that user could be utilizing that asset on the scale chain without any sort of like transfer. Okay. And let's say you send it to another 0x address. Well, that 0x address would then be the only address that could have those rights for this. Like you've got this other, this like similar version walking around on the scale side that can be transferred just because it's mirroring. It's almost like a mirrored NFT. 
Maybe that's a better way to put it. So you mentioned a little bit the gaming implications here, which I think is really useful. Anything else to say about this sort of opening up these kind of possibilities in gaming? Or do we pretty much kind of cover the use case there? I think another interesting use case is like gating or ticketing NFTs. And so let's say there's a lot of high value social access NFTs being sold. And if you have this NFT, you might get access to do A or B or C or do certain things. A lot of those things you can do and privileges are off chain. And they're just people that are like, they're running a business, they have AWS server that just validates that, hey, this user's email address is the same user that can access and they get these privileges because they have the NFT. Well, there's also on-chain mechanics. There's on-chain values where people want to run applications for gated NFTs. But when they do that, the user has to have a native currency. The user is paying gas fees. Things are slow and cumbersome. And over on scale, you can actually have this Web2 like experience where you can actually utilize on-chain mechanics for social NFTs and gating NFTs. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a game, is my point. It's also the other use cases, whether it be in B2B or social media or greater economy or music, you can open up smart contract execution on the scale side without any sort of, I would say, custodial risk or security risk. Because at the end of the day, Ethereum, I think, one, it's very clearly the number one place for any sort of NFT trading volume and ownership value and activity. Like 99% of the value of the entire NFT markets on the Ethereum. The gating factor right now is that if you want to use those NFTs, it's expensive and cumbersome. Our goal is to help the best of the both worlds come together where people can still keep minting NFTs on the Ethereum mainnet, but then use them on scale without any sort of complexity, risk, cost, et cetera. Very, very cool. And I know with the increasing sort of market dynamics, I would say things are at least looking a little brighter than they were six months ago. Where this all goes, we'll see. And I guess that's a different topic for a different show. But with sort of these broader use cases for games and for enterprises comes a lot of new possibilities in terms of partnerships and collaborations and features. So we'd love to sort of peel that onion with you a little bit and unpack whatever we can around what's next for scale. And we love Alpha, Jack, so try not to hold back on us. One thing I do want to say in in that line of thinking is like looking at also my role. So one, scale has has just really grown and flourished from a developer perspective and community perspective. So a lot of these features and ideas are actually community built. They're brought to the table by the community. I'm here as like a spokesperson on behalf of this open source (laughs) effort. So none of this obviously is any sort of like investment or trading advice. It's just really, uh, we're all about the tech, we're all about utility. And so I'm here. Thankfully, we have this great decentralized group of devs building. So an example of that is somebody brought up in the apes channel, hey, you should, instead of like thinking about starting your own chain, should just rent a scale chain. You get all the validators instantly, you get everything out of the box. And then someone said, well, hey, these are million dollar, some of these are millions, whatever time in the market this was, these are million dollar NFTs. And I feel more comfortable having a million dollar NFT secured by the security of Ethereum, as opposed to any other network, any other layer too. And that's why you don't see apes flying all over the place. And so that actually stemmed this whole conversation amongst people in the community, amongst developers in the community. And that was really the genesis of Scale Connect. So it was like cool to see that come together. But anyways, I'll stop. I think maybe you're getting into, there's some other things we can talk about too, in terms of just protocol development. If people are interested in hearing more about what's coming. I'm interested. So yeah, let's cover that. So let's talk about the future of scaling. When you look at methodologies of how to get more out of a blockchain, there's, I think, one good example or just one conversation that's happening right now is, is the future of scalability, not Ethereum is this foundational force and this store of value and this base layer that's not going anywhere. It's just getting bigger. But we do need a place to run smart contracts, run transactions that are connected. Some people think that the best way to get scalability is with a monolithic layer one blockchain, one big blockchain. But what I'd say is that philosophy, I think, is far less popular than it was before. And you look at all these new projects that are getting funding, the vast majority of them have are called these infrastructure projects for scalability. The vast majority of them have what are called shared security models or pooled security models, where you have lots of chains and they share a validator shed. They share security amongst them. And it's called pooled security. So you get these performance buckets and that are unlimited. You can keep growing them. 
and they don't bifurcate their security. So if you have 10 chains and you add an 11th, that 11th chain doesn't have one 11th of security. It has one of one security because the way security is shared and passed through the blockchain. And so that's what Scale has been doing since 2018. So we're really excited that this is coming together. One thing that these newer projects have that Scale doesn't have now is a zero-knowledge proof. And so there's been an announcement, again, another community-driven effort from the developer community at Scale to say, hey, how can we integrate zero-knowledge proofs to Scale? And if we do that, all of these zero-knowledge proof projects are trying to figure out a way to build app chains. Scale has app chains. And so the question is, well, since we already have done the hard part and the zero-knowledge proof technology is open source, what libraries could be taken and plugged into scale? And so we're really pumped about zero-knowledge proofs being accessible within scale and pluggable in the sense that my feeling is there's going to be hundreds of companies that are very successful that monetize by selling computation and throughput for zero-knowledge proofs. And the goal for scale will be to be a home for all of those zero-knowledge proof technologies where they can plug into scale, provide their technology and monetize through a decentralized system as opposed through a centralized sequencer model where someone just runs basically this mirrored blockchain technology on Amazon and submits a fraud proof to try to say that they're trustworthy. So anyways, I'll stop. This is probably too deep on the tech, but those are a couple of exciting things that I feel like are being worked on in scale. It's really cool. And I think what we're talking about here could be a metaphor for society as a whole. The more heterogeneous we are, where there's this rich diversity of projects and ecosystems that connect to each other, the more rewarding and meaningful society as a whole, and the more flexibility people have to sort of create their own adventure in life. And I think the same applies to using all this emerging technology in the right creative way without that rigidity. We've talked a lot about smart decentralization and what we're hearing on the show and sort of what came to life at Outer Edge is some really, really creative building going on around like Zero Proof and ZK Rollups, where it's the right amount of information sharing and sharing of assets at the right time with the right people. And with that type of capability, we can build a more vibrant ecosystem. And it's just exciting to see how scale is is sort of on the cutting edge of that sort of level of disruptive innovation in the blockchain space. One exciting thing is I was talking to someone the other day who said, well, hey, Betamax had way better technology than VCR, but VCR won. And I think the analogy, the way that relates to this world is it's EVM is VCR, (laughs) Ethereum virtual machine and Ethereum. And then the competition is, well, who builds the best mousetraps leveraging Ethereum virtual machine and connecting back to the Ethereum mainnet. And hey, I know there are some other major layer one chains that are getting traction, but the vast majority of real build use cases and trend and action I'm seeing is on Ethereum. And so we're excited about that. And I do think to your point, there's going to be a lot of heterogeneous different models, but in this homogenous viewpoint of EVM. Yeah, Ethereum's definitely looking very, very interesting at this moment in time. And I'm surprised that those gas fees that you're mentioning too, especially considering the change to proof of stake. But yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, those same fees after the merge were around 5 to $10 for a while. So you look at the end of last year, those exact same gas size computations for scale staking were $5, $10 in December, $265 in USD value now to execute the same transaction today. And even 5 or $10 is still too high, you know? Yeah. All right. To wrap up the segment, want to know what projects that you've been following in Web3 outside of scale. It's always interesting to see what experienced uh, entrepreneurs and thinkers like yourself are watching, keeping their eye yeah, on. Yeah. And, and you're traveling around too and meeting interesting people. What are some of the sort of the stories that have sort of unfolded on these journeys of yours? So some cool ones that I've seen recently. So one, Xerox Battleground is launching what I would say is like one of the first implementations of blockchain gaming that just feels like a Web2 game. It's downloadable on a computer. It's first-person shooter. It's like super high-end graphics. And the whole time, the users are performing functions, doing things, and MetaMask isn't popping up. They're just literally interacting with the blockchain. And this is a really smart team with people in both Dubai and Switzerland. 
and like a massive team and they also know how to market. Like it's just like a pure gaming company that's doing something really cool. That's in gaming. Another would be Ultimate Digits is a pretty cool product where anybody can claim their Ethereum, their phone number on Ethereum and that's an NFT that becomes your identity. And it's your gateway into utilizing Web3 through your phone number. And so there's an incentive for your phone number. Like I better go claim my number. And that's the kind of tip of the spear. And then there's all these things you can do with that as terms of your digital identity. And you look at Ethereum name service, to be honest, it's awesome product, but it's a little complicated. Phone number is a little more simple. Another cool thing I've seen recently, Rebel is launching a creator economy product, REBL, NFT Labs, who was actually sponsoring at Outer Edge LA. They have a really cool product they're launching with major global soccer league that's part of FIFA that I don't want to front run their announcement, but a fan gating and ticketing mechanism, all driven and powered by NFTs. That's super cool. We're actually like millions and millions of non-technical users who don't own a computer are going to be interacting with blockchain entirely through their phone. couple ones right at the top of my head. Cool. Yeah. The theme there within blockchain and the phone. And of course, that's how we've achieved such dramatic global changes just with the internet in general, is being able to move these things to the phone. We just had Redeem XYZ interview in Consensus, and they're sort of a addendum to ticketing, where there's now a text-based ticket purchase and communication mechanism for all ticketing companies in the space. And that type of middleware is really helpful. So I think really interesting connections with texting that in mass adoption, that there's room for additional innovation. And I think keep your eyes open for a lot of the advancements around account abstraction. And essentially, it's like what I would say is it's decentralized uh, custodial wallets. <laughs> and so with like social recovery mechanisms and uh, different mechanisms that will make Ethereum more usable while not giving up on security. That's a hot topic in the Ethereum developer community. And obviously, which is nice to hear because in the past, I actually wrote this blog post called the blockchain hierarchy of needs. And just like we as humans have the hierarchy of needs in terms of like food and shelter and safety. And then all of a sudden we want like ego gratification and love and eventually self-actualization. Well, in blockchain, the only thing anyone would ever talk about was it was security. And then it was security and performance and obviously decentralization. And then eventually now people are finally saying, oh, what about usability? Which a lot of us have been talking about it for a long time, but it's good to see the, the get more lion's share of the conversation amongst the you know real serious Ethereum developers. All right. This is our theoretically the end of our conversation generally about scale. Typically we do quick hitters right now, but we have had you on the program a few times. We've done quick hitters. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for the next phase here. We're going to have some fun conversations. So let's roll into it. You have questions about blockchain? Like how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. I came up with one quick hitter that I think is particularly appropriate though. So we'll transition to quick hitters very briefly <laughs> and then we'll go to our hot topic. So we know quick hitters is a fun, quick way to know our guests a little bit better, some personal questions. So we just got one here and mine is, and you'll see why I'm asking this listener in a moment. So clearly Jack, you're a very hard worker and doing a lot of cool stuff, but tell me, do you ever have any time to recharge? And if so, how do you do it? That's a great quick hitter. We were talking a little bit about this earlier and I was just, I'll bring everyone into the conversation. I was just talking about how the, I was working, like I've been working like 15, 18 hours a day for the last five years. And I was like, you know what? If I keep this up, I think I'm just going to die. 
I better start taking care of myself again. And I used to do, I go to yoga three days a week and I completed a full distance Ironman. And anyways, I started taking care of my body again. I'm still working really hard, but you've got to take care of yourself. So I've been getting back in the gym, back in the yoga studio, training for a half Ironman again, and just making these things come together, figuring out a way to strategically schedule them into my day. It's a marathon, not a sprint doing any sort of work for regardless of who you are. Is it a marathon or is it an Ironman? I'm doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, this one's just a half Ironman. I don't want to ever do a full Ironman ever again. That was painful. <laughs> Some nightmares about that. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit peek into your kind of personal approach there. And we now have on camera our next guest, our hot topic guest, and we'll find this transition quite interesting. So today's hot topic guest is Shira Lazar of the Jomo effect. Jomo is one of my favorite words for quite a while. Shira, let's learn about her for a minute to start the conversation. So she's an Emmy-nominated leading voice around digital culture and emerging trends. Shira took the internet by storm with her web-first news brand, What's Trending. She's spoken at conferences including South by Southwest, VCon, FTNYC, and Outer Edge LA and FTLA. She was named among Fast Company's most influential women in tech. Shira is also the co-founder of Peace Inside Live, a wellness community and platform offering virtual classes, workshops, and retreats. PIL is consistently working to break down the barriers of entry and make tools for well-being accessible for all via Web3 community experiences and innovative workplace programs. Shira, welcome to Edge of NFT. Namaste. Wow. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to be on. I've heard so much about this podcast besides listening to it. I feel like I'm friends and family here, so it's an honor. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, like Shara, myself and Jordana, Shara's co-founder go way, way back, like before, like predating our blockchain and Web3 adventures together. And Shara, in the early days of sort of getting into Web3, I remember how passionate you were about sort of elevating consciousness in the emerging technology world, which we just talked about a little bit with Jack. And I know Jordana, your partner and a dear friend of mine, she spent years diving into the art of healing in Nepal and in Thailand. And now it's all coming together in this really, really special way. And would love to unpack that with you. Of course, we miss Jordana. Yes. Shout out to Jordana. Jordana Reem, full name, just in case you want to look her up, R-E-I-M. And she's in Thailand now. So we're holding down the fort here. Funny story here. I've got, what's it called? Simple Habit Meditation App. Right? Yeah. I'm checking that out. Oh, oh, I know what you're going to say. Go for it. Though. Yeah. So I just try out different meditations or whatever when I'm trying to sleep or whatever. And I found one and listened to it. And I was like, wait a second. That's Jordana <laughs> who we're working with on all this stuff. So yeah, you can find Jordana on Simple Habit. <laughs> yeah. She's on meditations as well. Great. Yeah. yeah. And of course, on Peace Inside Live, where we have 30 of her one minute meditations as well on our platform. But yes. Absolutely. And I know you guys have been working really, really hard on sort of helping the world transition from FOMO to JOMO and inject some additional mental health energy into society. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, we're currently working on a project called The JOMO Effect. We're starting a movement around the joy of missing out. And what better place to really begin this than with the Web3 space, NFT and crypto world that is just so about FOMO. It's pervasive, an industry that is led by volatility and by supply and demand. And if this is the new movement and the space we're all moving into, the technology that things are building from, we all believe that we should be integrating mindfulness and mental health and wellness into the foundation versus having it as an afterthought or an add-on as we saw in previous industries and corporate cultures. And so that is our passion, our commitment, including whether it be Web3 or AI, like our world is moving so quickly, including with technology. And I think we can't lose ourselves along the way, including if we want to make sure that we maintain a conscious and ethical world for us all. Can you tell us a little bit about artists that are getting involved in the Jumbo Effect? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I kind of went into more like the idea of what we were building, but the Joma effect started out just to give you some context. Jordana and I have been working on Peace Inside Live, as you mentioned, a wellness studio. We had an idea for this journal last year. It's been kind of a bucket list for both of us. And so we got started on the Jomo journal, the Joy of Missing Out journal. And then, of course, because of our background working with NFTs and NFT artists, we thought, oh my God, wouldn't it be fun to have art in this? Right now, there's a lot of prompts. The journal helps you cultivate inner joy daily through different exercises. But we thought it would be so cool to integrate that part of us that like we are so inspired by artists as well. And so we ended up reaching out to 12 artists in the NFT space who created unique pieces of what joy means to them. And then we thought, well, wouldn't it be cool for you to buy art? And then it goes to charities, mental health charities. (laughs) And then it kind of snowballed. And from 12 artists, we ended up getting 40 and it became an entire collection. (laughs) And so we decided to launch this for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is in May. And this is all happening on May 10th through Magic Eden on Polygon. We're making it very accessible and it's going to be a blind mint and an open mint. So we do have a joy list, like an allow list that we're calling it where you can get a discount, but we want to make this as available to as many people as possible because we're trying to raise money here. All primary sales go to five mental health charities. So not only do you get an amazing piece of art, the artists we have some of their art is worth one ETH plus and some of them their first time on Polygon. So we're doing a lot of work here, but you're also giving back to charities. And as holders, we have amazing perks, including sessions with the Chopra Foundation and Deepak Chopra and Save a Love, his Web3 project to our partners, as well as through Peace Inside Live, our platform. That's kind of a bit about the project. Upon starting this and realizing this is much bigger than we thought it would be, We never meant to have a mint or an NFT project. That was not our goal. We know how stressful it is. And we're in the industry of trying to create less stress. So there's a bit of a dichotomy and irony there. We ended up getting some folks who have minted out projects. And we thought, okay, they could help us along the way because we don't want to do this on our own. And it became a bit more of a decentralized community project. And so we have time pieces involved. House of First, as we mentioned, Outer Edge is a partner as well. And oh my God, if you go to our allow list link or joy list, you could see all the people from Hug, BFF, Adam Bomb Squad, just got 90cc on board and access. Oh my God, what's she money's thing? Access one? I think that's 90cc. Is that another part of it? I don't know. Like going on? Yeah. So we've gotten so many communities who've really decided to say we are committed to mental health in Web3 and they're pushing this out to their holders and their communities. And so it's really become bigger than us. And that was the hope. Obviously, we have a goal. We want to create action. But the whole point is also conversation about what it means to exist in this space and in digital culture and how we take care of our own mental health and others in the process. Yeah. I've got my own developing theory here. I'm not an expert on stress. They've got the use stress versus distress. So the use stress is actually good stress. We kind of need a little bit of stress. It's that kind of like you're about to give a talk and you got butterflies. That's kind of good. It gives you a little bit of lift and energy. The distress is kind of like when you're overstressed and you're taxed. But yeah, I think my current approach is seek use stress, right? Like seek this certain type of stress that ideally has an ultimately positive effect. So like going for a run or lifting some weights, you're putting your body under some stress, but that's good stress because ultimately it leads to your better health. So I think there's something there that hopefully will be developed over time here around choosing your stress. And by the way, I think on the same philosophy, no stress is bad because it's kind of like you begin to atrophy. It's like, if you don't lift weights, you don't get stronger, right? If you don't give your mind a little bit of exercise, you get dumber, all those kind of things. So hopefully we get to incorporate a little bit of that as well. Go ahead. No, I said you brought up so many interesting things because what you're talking about is stretching yourself and challenges in life or doing things that are uncomfortable, but ultimately we know make us feel better, getting out of our comfort zone and working out in the morning or maybe working on a project that is challenging, but it's not toxic and unhealthy to us. And we learn and there's like a light at the end of the tunnel and we gain a lot of experience and wisdom. Like life is not easy. Even if we learn all these tools and like 
there's no perfection. This idea that everything is going to be perfect because you learn this, or there's an ease and flow. Like the human existence can be difficult. Life can be hard. And this is just me talking about my own lived experience and what I'm learning. Like it's about accepting that there are these highs and lows and one is not better than the other. It just all is. And I think the more we kind of accept that and find peace in that and are present to that, the more joy and peace we could have. And that ultimately creates possibly a successful life because you could be present to what it is and then create more from that. As you know, the worst is when you're present and you're anxious, like how can you create anything really? You're not going to hit your max possibility because like you're thinking from a limited perspective and from limiting beliefs. Yeah. There's so much to unpack here. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I'll say I really appreciated you all sort of teaching a little bit about this and a workshop at Outer Edge and doing the wellness event on Community Day together was so epic. And I've heard so much great feedback from the community about all these Zen experiences that we were able to co-create together and with your leadership and shout out to our friends at Hello Vacay too for providing such an amazing home base for that experience. But as I reflect on the year, the year in the journey of edge and just in the space, like there's just in in society, this is such a critical topic. And Jack, I'm sort of thinking about some of our conversations too over this year in terms of the challenges you had with your developers in Ukraine and in all the sort of things I'm sure you faced as steward of such an important layer one solution in such a dynamic market. What resonates with you from what Cher shared? One, just I think a lot of really good perspectives. And I'll just kind of speak from my life's definitely stressful being in my position. And I also have three kids, by the way, that are under six. So that adds to it. <laughs> For me, I just kind of like, I think you hit the nail on the head sure, with the word acceptance. I feel like I kind of got to a point where I just a while ago or just said, hey, you know what? Like any job is going to have pieces of it that will are stressful. And so in the morning, I try to get up and say, you know, I'm really thankful I have these challenges ahead of me at night when I'm going to sleep and I'm like, have all this stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm really thankful I have all these problems to work on. Because if you like didn't have that, if you didn't have the job, you didn't have the goals, you know, what are you doing? None of us, the vast majority of people would not be happy. You're not going to be happy just sitting on a beach somewhere. You're going to want to do something. And if anyone's ever been between a job, like for me, I was just like, ah, what am I going to do? What am I going to do next? And So I just try to be grateful and like have acceptance. There's things that are just out of your control, but you've got to have a little bit of a, like almost a framing and recognize sometimes like, yeah, this isn't that big of a deal. Like the developers in Ukraine, our engineering team, like they bought a lot of them on vacation for the weekend. Guess what? You can't go home. Haven't been home in like two years and their homes being bombed. Like there's always like lesser and greater challenges than you're experiencing. So yeah, I think embracing them and accepting them is is a great, I guess, starting point. <laughs> and I'm sure you're teaching other skills, right? Sure, yeah. There's a lot more to it than that. But. Totally. This is just like the tip of the iceberg to a bigger conversation of movement of sorts that we want people to think of instead of leading with FOMO. Think about how you want to exist in these spaces and not just being reactive to it, but choosing how you want to exist, like making it work for you versus you working for it. And I think that could really support how we each navigate in these industries. Like you don't need to approach something just like everyone else. If something works for someone else, it doesn't mean it might work for you and that's okay. So the more we get to know ourselves and do that in our work and find out, ask that question, what does joy mean to me? The more that becomes a filter for how we navigate our personal and professional lives. And then we can make better decisions for ourselves. Then guess what? We feel more more of a sense of self-worth, like we're leaning into something that's good for us, then we feel happier, then we probably treat people, we treat ourselves better, we treat other people better, and it becomes a more of a domino effect. I feel like that's at least a good entryway to get started. And so, yeah, we are doing this Mint on May 10th. We even have a gallery show at Super Cheap Gallery in New York on May 11th. But our hope is really to take this all around the world to events, even next year at Outer Edge, take this gallery show continue this conversation. We, yeah, we have this FOMO to JOMO workshop that me and Jordana do. We now have the JOMO journal that if you're a holder, you get 15% off to continue your practice. And so it's a whole ecosystem that we're building and it's cool to be able to build it, not just outside, like in the wellness world or what would be considered like the woo-woo world, 
but to be build it in spaces that might surprise people where it's like, oh, I didn't think about this, but I should be because I'm stressed out because I'm burnt out. We don't need to live like this. It doesn't need to be the default. So we're trying to find an alternative and offer that to people. Yeah, amazing stuff. And I'm so honored to be one of your partners and to help sort of create a platform for this incredible work you're doing in this space and excited about future collaborations. It's been a great long-term partnership and all sorts of interesting and stressful times uh, the last few years. Break it down again for us, just very specifically, what's the minting date, the details on how people can participate, what do they have to do? Yeah, definitely. Well, if you were listening before May 10th, then if you go to at Peace Inside Live, and it'll be in the description, the show notes, everything, we have our joy list, the allow list, sign up, let us know if you're a holder of one of the projects, we'll put outer edge there as well, or edge of of NFT, so we can know you came through this show. And when we go live May 10th at 9 a.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern, that is that allow list and you'll get early access to the Mint and at a discount. So it will be 20 Matic from 9 a.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern. At 1 p.m. Eastern, we go public at 24 Matic for 24 hours. And we're going to be just raising money and getting this as much out there as we can. I'll do some extras that we have as part of this, some perks. For every five that you hold upon Snapshot, Adam Bomb Squad created a unique Adam Bomb Squad for this. So they created a Jomo Adam Bomb Squad that will be airdropping to people who collect like every five. So if you collect 10, you get two, like 15, three, you know. And then if you collect the entire collection, even though it's a blind mint, it's in numerological order. So you have an ability to actually collect the entire collection. So you get access one to a private timepieces or time IRL event. And Deepak Chopra and his team are going to be doing also for just the collectors of 40 plus a virtual gathering like on Zoom, like a private event where you could do a private Q&A. It's going to be a small group of us with Deepak that we're going to be setting up for those collectors. And then we have perks for people that just hold even one, which I've mentioned. So the reveal happens May 11th, 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll be doing a reveal party. And yeah, that's basically it. So sign up, be there on May 10th. It is on Magic Eden, but you could find all the info at Peace Inside Live. And we hope to see you there. And like, I think a lot of people talk about how important this is, but this is your chance to really talk the talk and walk the walk and spread the word about Jomo, share it in your timeline. And let's like move the needle together. Yeah, absolutely. And not sure if you tuned in earlier, but Scale has some super fun teleporting features for low transaction cost stuff. So who knows, maybe Jack will join the tribe and give you some opportunities to teleport into scale. Hey, let's collab. I'm down. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Now, just before we wrap your segment here, Shira, make sure people know where to follow you and do the social stuff and the websites. Yeah. Just to reiterate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at Shira Lazar everywhere, literally, even Telegram. And then at Peace Inside Live, you can check us out. What we're up to, peaceinside.live slash Jomo, J-O-M-O is where you can find out more. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Shira. We'll see you on the flip side and in our meditations. Yes, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for supporting. See you soon. Catch you later. Bye. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA, let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. 
Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service soup-to-nuts and whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. All right. Josh, should we hit maybe like other hot topics real quick? Yeah, let's hit one if that works for you, Jack. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the Sotheby's one. That, that sounds interesting. So Sotheby's is launching an on-chain NFT marketplace for secondary art sales. So Sotheby's took its years-long embrace of Web3 a step further here. They just launched a portal on their Metaverse platform with secondary NFT artwork sales that are conducted peer-to-peer and fully on-chain. In addition to Sotheby's Metaverse platform, which initially went live in October 2021, features support for NFT artwork minted on Ethereum and scaling network Polygon, which Sotheby's described as the networks of choice for NFT creators and collectors, as well as scale. No, they didn't say that. Sorry, Jack, but we'll get that in there soon. (laughs) (laughs) In a statement. But yeah, this is kind of fun. It has been fun since the beginning to kind of, as sort of media, quote unquote, following these stories to see Sotheby's jumping in here and getting involved pretty deeply from very early on. And having them have a marketplace is also interesting, just considering what else we have out there. I have to say, I'm intrigued. I wonder if there's going to be people who are way more intrigued to head on over to the Sotheby's NFT marketplace than OpenSea, because it just feels more familiar and accessible. Yeah. I mean, there's a key component here that I honed in on in the article, which is that there will be a very sort of specific approach to secondary sales, and it's automatic for the artist. So we know with the increase in sort of royalty-free shopping experiences induced by by Blur and the sort of optionality that OpenSea has created, that you know, there's been some real pushback in the industry, and it's hurt a lot of the creators that got this industry to where it is today. And so I think one of the most promising aspects of this is that creators have an outlet now, and I think it's a really smart move by them to do that. I look at this, and it's like both a defensive and an offensive move. So if you look at Sotheby's, they're a middleman of selling stuff. And the best is selling really expensive things, whether it be art or real estate, they're at the high end. And if you look at the role of escrows and smart contracts and websites, well, you know what they do? It really disintermediates these like middleman auctioners or sales entities. And so in a way, it's a really smart defensive move to be able to like step into this, what could be a 10-year Kodak moment for them. At the same time, they're playing offense. They're beating everybody to the punch who are smaller, more versatile companies that are intuitively tech savvy. So I think it's brilliant. And whoever's running innovation there should probably get a raise. Yeah, it's totally accessible, but not done well for various reasons at various times. For a company that's established itself or an organization that's established itself in a certain domain to just upgrade with technology. A specific example that I just encountered earlier, piano rolls. All right, I'm in the piano industry, but this is kind of funny. You know, the old piano rolls, it's like a paper roll with little notches in it, little holes in it. And it would go through these player pianos that you'd crank or pump with your feet or whatever back in the day, back in the bar rooms and stuff like that. And the company that created those was QRS. And sure enough, they evolved along with the industry and they started to make the electronic version of that, where it's now a player piano, where it's like a MIDI system and all that stuff. But these companies don't always do that, right? And these organizations don't do that. It seems to be some of the higher end for whatever reason, maybe just because of the talent they attract or whatever, are able to do this. I mean, you look at great universities like Harvard or Stanford, these places are maintaining their prowess in their domains, regardless of the shifts and changes, regardless of the fact that they may get something wrong here and there. 
there's these names that you trust and that has a lot to it, a name that you can trust and then attracting the appropriate talent and making things work. Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, if I was spending a Sotheby's size portion of money to buy NFT, I would feel a lot more confident about buying it through Sotheby's than I would the majority of other brands out there, even though at the end of the day, it's smart contracts making these things move, but there's a validation just with their brand. Yeah. The curatorial aspect is very interesting. All right, guys. Well, we got through the hot topics and I think we covered a lot today and we're probably time to about wrap up. But before we do, we just want to make sure we check back in with you, Jack, and let the listeners know where's the best place to follow you and everything Scale is up to and anything else you want to shout out there. Yeah. So you can follow me at Jack O'Holloran in the show notes on Twitter. So go or go to scale.space, S-K-A-L-E.space to get access to Discord, Telegram, et cetera, to join the Scale project. It's an open source project community. Um, If you're a builder, you're building NFTs, we'd love to talk to you. If you're an enthusiast, we'd love to talk to you and have you be part of the community. So please join. And it's going to be a big month in terms of announcements and just action on scale. It's, I have to say from the outside, it seems like this like never-ending winter, I'm sure for a lot of people. But from the inside and builder perspective, I think we're probably at a 10x load in terms of where we were six months ago, just in terms of volume of things happening, deals of projects going live, of applications. So it's exciting times. I think that's just indicative of the one, some success with scale, but two, also the market in general. There, there's just growth. This industry will not be stopped. It's great. And it's great to hear an insider since 2008, having your opinion on that stuff. All right. I know that we're planning to do some sort of giveaway together, probably TBD. So we will have the listener just look out on the socials for that. Yeah. Take a look for that because there's. I was waiting on that too. There's a lot of moving parts right now. So excited to obviously always promote and get our partners NFTs out there and help subsidize that delivery to this community. So keep your eyes open for that. Keep your eyes on our socials. All right, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to Edge of NFT to dive further down the rabbit hole. That's rabbit hole. That's edgeofnft.com. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of nft with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online rabbit roll that sounds like some interesting sushi that has not yet been created it's an nft collectible set that just hasn't launched yet <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> lastly be sure to tune in next time for more great nft content thanks for sharing this time with us today this episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor the creators of edge of nft will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program we're very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we're learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.